We all know it can be easy to get wrapped up in our routines and take our lives for granted. Sometimes it takes almost losing everything to snap out of it, including life itself. So I talked with one man who reached that point on August 5th, 2012, and he's turned that day of tragedy into a mission to bring others together. I'm Josh Morgan, and this is The Plural of You, the podcast about people helping people. I'm a data analyst and sociologist living in Baltimore, Maryland, and I produce this podcast for people who aren't ready to give up on humanity yet. There are lots of problems in the world, but I'm building an archive of solutions. So I talk with leaders who have dedicated themselves to improving the lives of others, and I'm collecting their advice in case you'd like to make a difference too. Pardeep Kalika is one of those leaders. He's a co-founder at Serve to Unite, a nonprofit organization that helps students encourage behaviors like forgiveness and compassion and peace through the arts and through community-based projects. Serve to Unite operates through a network of chapters and hosts mentors from different backgrounds and locations all over the world who have learned how to turn traumatic events in their lives into motives for good. The organization was established after a tragedy shook Pardeep and his family and his community in 2012. More on that in a moment. Pardeep was born in the Punjab province of India and immigrated with his family to Milwaukee, Wisconsin in the 1980s. The family followed the traditions of Sikhism, and that's the Indian religion which observes a divine spirit connecting everything across time and space. In other words, the presence of God in everything. That belief encourages Sikhs to see everything and everyone as joined together. And for them, that bond makes everyone worthy of service and protection. Sikhs share as many of their activities as possible in groups, like eating and meditating. The idea is to encourage community and an awareness of selflessness. Pardeep grew up with this emphasis on helping others, but didn't learn to fully appreciate it until he was older. You know, being of service or selfless service is one of the basic tenets for six. It's called seva, to give back to not only just your own community, but the community at large. Both my parents and I think the Sikh community is not very, I mean, not used to being very preachy, but kind of saying, okay, just this is who we are. This is what we're going to do. And so I always saw, you know, this, this idea of longer, this uh, helping our community, but it didn't really hit me until my college years. We were very poor growing up, but now by college, we you know had been able to establish ourselves. So I wanted to give back. The only way I know how to give back is to become a police officer. Hardeep told me he served as an officer in Milwaukee's poorest zip code, 53206, which is a few miles west of Lake Michigan on the east side of the city. Just to give you a sense of how tough the 53206 can be, one study from 2007 found that it was the most incarcerated zip code in all of the United States. Pardeep spent a large part of his youth near the area. As a kid, Pardeep looked up to athletes like Roberto Clemente and Michael Jordan, and to his parents. Par's father, Satwant, worked hard to build a life for his family and to serve the greater Milwaukee community. Satwant later founded the Sikh Temple of Wisconsin in 1997 in the suburb of Oak Creek, and he was appointed the temple's leader and president. Years later, Pardeep decided to become a teacher after serving with Milwaukee's police department for five years. He got his teacher certification, then went on to teach at a high school in the 53206. In the summer of 2012, he was on his way to a service at the temple when the unimaginable happened. Here's a report from journalist Rachel Maddow. 
In Wisconsin, six people were murdered, plus the gunman himself being killed. It happened at about 10.15 yesterday morning. A man entered the Sikh temple in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. There were about three dozen people there. Services were not scheduled to start for another hour. Eyewitnesses say the stranger started shooting within moments of arriving, first at a group of priests who had gathered in the lobby. Police say the shooter was armed with a 9 millimeter handgun and multiple rounds of ammunition. A gunman had approached the temple on the morning of Sunday, August 5th, and began shooting. One of the six people he killed before turning the gun on himself was Parr's father, Satwant. He also wounded four others at the temple, including a police lieutenant who survived 15 shots. Investigators later discovered the gunman was a white supremacist, and he had likely targeted the temple goers out of racial and religious frustration. The outpouring of support from Milwaukeeans and others that followed was overwhelming. But the massacre was still a painful and sobering event, especially for Pardeep. So I can, I can definitely look at my life pre-August 5th, 2012, and look at my life post. And it was just a, a wake-up call. The shooting that happened uh, was one of the worst race-based shootings that happened to a religious community in 50 years. And shortly after the shooting, Charleston happened as well. But, but this was a huge deal, not only to our community, but the broader community. For me personally, it sort of destroyed my sense of safety. How do you mean? There's things that we just all take for granted. Safe spaces that we think exist, places that we think that we're sort of immune to. And the more that that happens, the more that we start taking life for granted. Um, I definitely think that I was taking life for granted before August 5th, 2012. I had two beautiful children. I had a beautiful wife, uh, a good career, good job, good house, all the, all the things that you really want to be happy. But I don't know if I was as happy then as I am now. Happiness to me now uh, equates appreciation for life. And it's sad that something like this has to happen for you to truly appreciate not only just your life, but the relationships that you have. Oh, that's a good way to look at it. I, I hate that it took that event to help you reach that point, but in a way, I'm, I mean, I'm glad you did reach it. Yeah. Maybe you would have found it another way, but I'm, I'm glad you found it now. Yeah. And I, I, I honestly, I don't know if I would have found it another way. I think the star way sometimes is, is the only way. And now that I'm a father for beautiful kids, but there's no bigger thing that I can leave for them than a sense of purpose. So with dad's death and with the six people that lost their lives that day, they each left not only their children with a sense of purpose, but an entire community. And uh, you know, today it becomes our responsibility to be able to mold that and, and say, okay, what, what we want to remember for is not the action, but the reaction. Members of the temple met in the days after the shooting and discussed what that sense of purpose could be. The group realized that for all they had done to serve and protect others outside of their congregation, there were still some misperceptions about who they were and what they represented. Sikh Americans had often been confused with Muslim Americans, especially after the attacks on September 11th, and they suspected the shooter had targeted them in part because of that fallacy. Instead of focusing all of their blame on the shooter, the group looked at their own role in the situation. They decided that they had a responsibility to turn what had happened into an opportunity for something positive. Otherwise, the loss of the six people they loved would have been for nothing. They landed on the phrase, serve to unite, because they wanted to show people through service that we all share the same human spirit. 
They also wanted to prevent acts of domestic terrorism from traumatizing others. Pardeep and the group thought a broader organization would be the most effective way to achieve this. I was going to ask, do you remember the day or even the moment when the idea for Serve to Unite came about? Yeah, I remember the meeting that followed the shooting. So when I say we, I'm saying me, my brother, and other youth at the temple who were sort of in the millennial age, we definitely felt the responsibility of going to this meeting and going to that meeting and going to this and going to that and really like saying, okay, you know what, we just got to work our way through this. You know, we sat down right away and said, okay, you know what? Let's start this organization. Let's not wait for people to come to us, but let's really get out into the broader community. We know some of the struggles that we face as a new immigrant population. We can be self-segregating, meaning that people can be welcoming us, but we want to hang out with people who look like us, who believe like us, who, who eat the same food as us, speak the same language. So we, in turn, can be self-segregating. So uh, we know that that's what the shooter wanted us to do. He wanted us to be isolated, suffering, miserable. So to battle all that, we needed to get our community out into the broader community. And that's how Surf Unite was formed. I really get a sense from all the events and activities that you do through Serve to Unite that you're really trying to give people a space where they can learn about the benefits of community and also learn how to express themselves in their own voices. Is that correct? Yeah, just, uh, you know, embrace each other's uh, uniqueness. And then uh, a lot of times, you know, I, I get credit for things, but me doing what I do, I'm not anything special. And I think that that should be known is that it's not that we're special and we have, uh, you know, some kind of superpower to be able to transform pain into something better, but we all are unique. And so my uniqueness was basically I was 35 years old. Um, I had done this and that, and my father was murdered, and and then I really felt a sense of responsibility. So just embracing my uniqueness, and then and sometimes we get into this thing of like, okay, you know what? The problem is so big that I don't think nobody can solve it. Right. That right there is like it's immobilizing, it's paralyzing. On the one hand, people be like, well, there's no problem at all. That's paralyzing. And on the other uh, side, is the problem is so big that we can't do anything about it. The truth is that there's plenty of stuff that we can do on a day-to-day basis, and that we just have to embrace our uniqueness. Pardeep had done his best to stay positive after the shooting and while Serve to Unite was in development, but something still didn't feel right. Eventually, he realized that he was only pretending to be strong, and that he wasn't allowing himself to process the pain that he was carrying. Part of the pain led back to the shooter, a young white male named Wade Michael Page. Why would he do this to someone else? And what could Pardeep do to reach out to people like him? Pardeep contacted a former white supremacist in Milwaukee to answer that question, Arno Michaelis. Arno was active in the white power movement during the 80s and early 90s, but had since devoted his life to spreading concepts like forgiveness and compassion and peace, just like the six. Pardeep's family bristled at the idea of him talking with someone like Arno. But the two found common ground, so much so that Arno joined Serve to Unite in 2013. Pardeep and Arno now represent Serve to Unite in schools and communities, and they both split the duties of the organization as their schedules permit. We do a lot of stuff outside of the school that never sees the light of day. There's people who will contact you and are getting out of movements and need help transitioning. 
you know, I'm a trauma therapist. I work with those that have been affected by violence. So stopping the cycle of violence in both perpetrators and survivors. There's other stuff like we go into different towns around the United States. And a lot of these small towns are having some of the, the trauma of what we call demographic shift, demographic change. And they don't know how to navigate that. We're fortunate and we, able, we get to consult with uh, law enforcement, policymakers, advocates, and a lot of them are coming to the table. And, you know, it's kind of like, okay, how do we do this? Oftentimes it comes back to communally doing service projects together building a sense of ownership into that, into that neighborhood, into that uh, community. Arnold goes overseas and does a lot of work with countering violent extremism, meaning that, like, how do we address the recruitment narrative of typically boys getting into extremist ideology? So whether that be an ISIS or whether it be you know, a, a gangbanger or white supremacist, you name it, but I mean, vulnerability needs to be addressed into like recruitment practices. And then, you know, me and I, like me and Arno are friends outside of work. So we hang out every other day. Uh, me, him, another buddy of ours, Rob, we have lunch probably three times a week. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, we communicate regularly. And to be able to really, really do this kind of work, you have to be really authentic. And it can't just be, hey, you know what, we're friends for the world's sake and not be real, like friends in real life. So I'm assuming because you have the types of commitments in your life that you do as far as, you know, helping others and, you know, trying to make a difference in people's lives, that you must have a strong sense of hope. So I was wondering if that's true, then what gives you a sense of hope? The short answer to that is my kids and the kids that um, are part of the program. The other part of it is, uh, you know, we talked about that, is that there's so many people who stand on that wall. I, I never want to be a, the world is coming to an end type of guy. But at the same time, we got to understand that some of the situations and problems that we're facing today are unprecedented, meaning that we have 7 billion plus people on this earth. We have social media, which is, you know, for good and bad. Technology has made it so that information is readily available. With that said, you can almost become overwhelmed to the point that they, again, become paralyzed. Yeah, that's true. And either they think the problem is too big, that they're not going to be able to do anything about it, or they think that it's all fake and there's no problem at all. I know that I have work to do. I want my children to inherit a better place than we inherited. I know I can't take all struggles away and not know that I want to. I want them to go through some struggles. Sure. But I, I want to make it a more equitable place. So I know you're just one person, you know, kind of working in your own corner of the world. But if you had to, like, solve one of those big, scary problems that you talked about, what do you think that would be for you? And how could people help you solve it? I think the problem that I would uh, concentrate on is the problem of ownership. And, uh, and I know that can include a lot of things, but I think that a lot of the problems that are caused in the world today come back to the sense of ownership. And I own this country. I own these resources. I own this religion. I own this God. I own this truth. If we can come back and understand that we really don't own anything and everything is sort of borrowed. We don't even own our own bodies. 
and, and our bodies are a carcass. And eventually we will have to leave that here. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, so I'm trying to encompass like, so, I mean, the thing is like, Oh, I would love to say, you know, what resources, the ownership of resources, if we can find a way to share those out and, and make it more equitable, then we could solve a lot of the problems that, that are, that we're facing. But a lot of that comes back to ownership too. And so then it becomes a sense of, you know, we, we call it white supremacy, but it's really a sense of cultural preservation. And that's, that's what it comes back to the trauma of, preserving a culture. And I think the way that we all can strip away of that is just really challenge what we believe. Each one of us, because if we embrace our, our total uniqueness, right, each one of us is going to be able to speak to different audiences. I asked Pardeep if Serts Unite ever challenges people to see past their own beliefs like that, assuming that not everyone that he comes into contact with agrees with the premise of what he's doing. He told me about the town of Groughton, Massachusetts, a suburb of Boston where he and Ardo were brought in to help residents work through a social conflict. Here's what he said. The demographic there is largely white. It's a very traditional town. There was a, a faction of that population who were the sort of the preservers, the cultural preservers. And they had the shield for the town emblem that uh, basically had a Bible on it and a, and a cross across it. You know, they wanted to keep that emblem because they, you know, obviously like cherishing the lessons of Christ. Then then we had another faction who wanted to be all inclusive and thought that the emblem turned people off. The challenge was that there's two Mandars, and Mandar is a, a Hindu temple. There's two Mandars that were coming into town. And, and Josh, the, the, the weird thing is this town is very small. I was like, I was even thinking to myself, why does there need to be two Mondays? Why can't there just be one? <laughs> right, right, right. So I'm not going to challenge all that. Like, this but, but that's how small this town was. And, and so like now, now we're thinking, okay, how do we, how do we solve this problem? Because my, my mindset always goes to how can we solve this problem? Pardeep and Arno suggested service projects to better the town, things that everyone could get involved in. And taking a page from the students that serve to unite, that they should party together every chance that they could. Anything to encourage the preservers and the all-inclusives to blend together. Most importantly, they made the point that persistence would be key. Even if one idea didn't pan out to be a huge success, at least it would nudge the bar toward more cooperation and trust in Groton. So now you have the sense of like civic process that's happening inside what they would have deemed a foreign place. So now the community outside gets to understand that the community inside is also going to be part of the political process. So things like that happen. Me and Arnold both, I think we love to work with contention. That's part of, part of being a therapist is you, you work with the tension. So if someone's listening and they wanted to support Serve to Unite or somebody was interested in bringing Serve to Unite to a place where they lived, what would be the best way to do that? They can contact me. My, my email is pardeep at serve to unite. That's S-E-R-V-E, the number two, unite.org. Contact me on Facebook, contact Arnold. But it, when we first started this mission, you know, we didn't really mean it to be an NGO or organization. We really meant it to be a movement. Just kind of say, okay, you know what? We need to use service to bring people together because we can talk about it. And nothing brings people together by like actually working together. I, I would say that any, anybody can get involved in being that catalyst for change. But, uh, you know, we would love to come to your town. And, and if there are if some issues that are happening, 
let's sit down and let's see what we can do about it. Let's bring those parties to the table. So I had one last question for Parr that I'd been curious about since I first heard his story. Had he reached a point in his life where he could forgive the person who killed his father and five other people? Yeah, no, I, you know, I've, I've forgiven him. I haven't forgiven the action. And forgiveness for me means vengeance, vengeance in love and, and really just transforming. So, so it means different things to different people. For some people, forgiveness means forgetting, and which is you can't forget anything like this. But, but for us, it meant, hey, you know what? We're taking control of our own life. The act and the actor have to be two different things. Yeah, that's a good perspective. Yeah, the action we can work at and we can, we can change. Because for Wade Michael Page, there's a condoning. There's a, a sense of like, hey, you know what? If I don't do enough about this, then I'm actually condoning it. And while people would say, well, no, no way, you know what, I'm not condoning a white supremacist walking into a Sikh temple and murdering six people. But somebody says that, that's complete lack of responsibility. So at some time, we have to have, like, America say, you know what, how are we condoning some of these acts? How are we condoning police murdering, you know, young black males? How are we condoning the anti-immigrant sentiment? How are we condoning homophobia? So, so instead of people putting their hand down, I would love it if people would raise their hand and say, okay, I get how I'm doing. I feel humbled that Pardeep made time to talk with me because he taught me all sorts of little points about forgiveness and ownership in the span of just a few minutes. I think what sticks out to me the most is what he said about uniqueness, that we all have characteristics or experiences that can help us relate to certain groups of people in ways that others can't. Today, Pardeep works as a trauma therapist for students. He realized after presenting on SERP to Unite in several schools that poor mental health was a major problem among young people. So he decided to make another career transition. And it's interesting to me how each of Pardeep's jobs have related somehow to serving others. Some people are just wired that way. And if you're listening to this podcast, then you probably are too. And that makes me wonder, what do you think is unique about you? What's something you have or something you've been through that you think could help someone else? Have you ever thought about sharing it? I'd be honored if you'd share it with me. Because it's like Pardeep said, he's not a superhero. And that's the point of this podcast. It's people like him and you and me, all of us connected, as the Sikhs would say, that can make the world better if we just work together. This has been The Plural of You. I'm Josh Morgan, and the show's website is pluralofyou.org. That's all for now. Thank you for being kind today. Take care.